Window World, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at windowskansascity.com. So I'm flipping through my phone early on Wednesday morning, and, you know, I've, I've, a lot of mornings I've got the show kind of laid out. I do that the night before, and I know a little bit of what we're going to be doing. And I'm flipping through Twitter, and I see this video of a motorcade of Xi, like in San Francisco, who's going to meet with Biden here on Wednesday, and the motorcade going through San Francisco of all these cars and all these Chinese flags and Chinese nationals lined up. And it's just a stunning visual of what we're doing with communist leaders and how we are kind of kissing China's ass at this point is basically what our U.S. policy is with Joe Biden. And I'm not going to get into the details here today. And we're, we've got so many topics on today's podcast. I'm going to be all over the place and we're not going to spend a lot of time on any of them because they're all really good. And I want you to hear them all. We got a lot of great things today, but all I could think in my head was, has there ever been a greater mismatch in U.S. history than Joe Biden versus Xi Jinping. When they sit down and meet, and we've already given up the farm, we've, we've already agreed with them that we're not going to use artificial intelligence for any, any military applications, that we're not going to escalate and let AI control our drones and our planes and our bombs and our nukes and things like that. China's agreed to that because they're way behind us in artificial intelligence, way behind American technology, way behind. So they gladly agree to that. We give up a strategic advantage to China. And sign a deal that China's not going to honor anyway, right? I mean, do we really believe the Chinese aren't going to use artificial intelligence for military capability? I mean, this is just ridiculous. Trusting the Chinese or signing any agreements with China is just stupid. You know, Reagan didn't play this game with the Soviet Union. He's like, why am I signing deals with the Soviet Union? They're not going to honor them. We've got to be stronger and better and defeat them, defeat communism. And that's what he did. I, so I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, is there anything more lopsided than Biden versus Xi? And then I had this moment of clarity this morning where I thought, well, yes, there is. Because I watched Hunter Dickinson play college basketball last night. And I've definitely seen something more lopsided than Joe Biden versus Xi. And it is Hunter Dickinson versus the world. Can, if you didn't watch, I, look, I know, a, I don't know, maybe half, a third or half of the listeners of this are KU basketball fans, but I also know that a lot of K-State, Missouri, and Iowa State fans watch Kansas basketball because it's entertaining as all get out, and you can't take your eyes off of it, and they're beautifully coached, and you may hate them, but you you can't not watch. So everybody watches Kansas basketball, and I said before the season started, and all my buddies are just all over me, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. My K-State friends all think I'm the biggest KU homer which is amazing to me because most of my emails are KU fans that hate on me. And I remind them that my wife is the biggest KU fan you've ever met. Like this stuff doesn't matter to me. Like maybe it matters to you. It doesn't. I've been doing it a long time. I see teams. I call it like it is. And that's that. I said before the season started that you'll never see a player like Hunter Dickinson at Kansas for Bill Self. There has never been a more perfect marriage. And it came out in the third game against a real opponent. And by the way, Kentucky looks like they're better this year than last year. They were a spirited team that played with real passion. They didn't turn the ball over a lot. They shot some air balls in the second half. They looked like a whole bunch of freshmen and young guys in the second half. After they built a 14-point lead against Kansas, they collapsed. They couldn't finish. That's the mark of a young team. And it's the mark of a Bill Self team that is older players, McCuller. Dickinson, even DeWan Harris, older guys 
keep it together and win the game. That's what Kansas, when Kansas basketball is really good, they're old and talented and they're old and talented this year. They are really old and really talented this year. So that was borne out after they were down 14 points. KU finished the game with a 45-26 run. It was a night that Hunter Dickinson was so great at college basketball that you asked yourself, why is he playing in college? And you were watching Kevin McCuller with a triple-double against Kentucky and Dewan Harris score 23 with seven assists on five of six three-point shooting like, okay, Bill Self's told him to shoot more. And so he does, and he scores 23. Nobody's talking about Dewan Harris. Nobody's talking about Kevin McCuller. On any other team anywhere in the country, I promise you, they'd be talking about Kevin McCuller and a triple-double, which most teams will not have ever this year, a player with a triple-double. Or Dewan Harris with his amazing night and his assists and his lead guard play and his shooting, but not on this night. Hunter Dickinson, the beast of college basketball, 27 points, 21 rebounds, and he's the biggest trash talker you've ever seen. He backs it up. He gets in your face. At one point, it looked like he turned and was hollering at the refs and didn't get a technical foul. I'm going to ask the question again, why in the world is this guy in college basketball? Now, we know Kansas is paying him a lot of money, but did you know the last two years at Michigan, he averaged, averaged in the Big Ten, averaged, and he's going to blow by this this year. He averaged 19 points and nine rebounds the last two years, and he's seven feet one, and the NBA considered him maybe a second-round draft choice. They don't, the NBA doesn't like him all that much. So is he, and I'm no NBA expert here, folks. So he must be that freak of a player that is too good for college basketball, but is maybe not a starter in the NBA. I don't know, man. I'm watching the guy shoot threes. He's hitting 83% from three. He's only missed two free throws. The guy is unbelievable. What can't he do? He runs the floor as a cherry picker. He runs it as the secondary break, as the last guy down and hits threes. I, I'm telling you, this is the national player of the year unless he gets hurt. It's over. It's over. I don't care. I don't care what anybody else has. <laughs> don't. Just don't. Because in this offense with this coach, and it's pretty clear what Kansas is going to do. And they made some really dumb passes last night, early in the game. They were just... It's, apparently, it's so easy in practice. They just throw the ball to the rim, and he gobbles it up and dunks it home. And so they're just force-feeding him the whole game. In it goes, and a lot of these became turnovers because Kentucky's wildly athletic, and they were swatting some of these passes away. And I can see where Kansas guards would get lazy feeding the ball to Hunter Dickinson. It must be really easy most of the time. Just throw it in his general vicinity, or as Jay Billis astutely pointed out, you can hate Jay Billis all you want, astutely pointed out, He's always open. It's just whether or not the pass comes from the right angle. He's always open. There's never been a marriage like this. I know Joel Embiid is a better NBA player and a better talent and played at Kansas. I get all that, but he was a young player. He was not polished. This guy's going to be 24 years old when they draft him into the NBA. <laughs> you got a 23-year-old guy playing basketball for you. And, and he's just an absolute freak. Crazy. So, yes, there is somebody. It is more lopsided. Hunter Dickinson versus college basketball is more lopsided than Xi versus Biden. No doubt.
Uh, keep your eye on Kansas. I, I, I'm not one of these guys that's going to sit here and say they could go undefeated, but who's going to beat them? Who's going to beat that guy? They were down 14 last night. Oh, my God. The fans were in panic mode. KU fans, when they get behind, they're like, oh, God, the whole the weight of the world is on. I'm like, oh, I can't pay my mortgage. My life is over. We're losing a basketball game. I'm like, they're going to win this game. Jessica gets that way. She gets pouty when they're down. I'm like, they're going to come back and win. This is Calipari versus self. That's a mismatch. That's G versus Biden. I mean, it was all just set up for this. Kentucky had a nice run. They're uber talented. They've got great NBA prospects on their team. They made nine three-pointers in the first half, but it wasn't going to hold up. They weren't going to make another nine. This was pretty easy. If you have a gambling app, I'll, I'm going to tell you right now, the easiest money you can ever make betting on sports is live in-game when Kansas is behind because they're going to win. When they are behind, jump on the money line or take the points that they're not going to win the game and they will win. I hit it three times last night. I bet them at minus one and a half. I bet them at plus one and a half. And then down eight, I bet them to win the game 20 bucks to win $86. I'm not betting a bunch of money here. But my God, they're giving you four to one on KU to win a game when they're down eight. You know they're going to win. We've seen this. We know how it ends. I don't know who's going to beat them. All right, on with some positive news. We've got some great stuff here on the positive side today. 300,000 gathered at the mall in D.C. to basically honor and celebrate and support Israel in their battle against Hamas and terrorists. There were no arrests. Nothing got spray painted. There were no roads blocked. There were no arguments. There was no fighting. There was no statue toppled. There was just love. 300,000 strong. And I hate to tip my cap because you just can't do this for these people, but these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas freaks in our country didn't show up, and thank God. They were nowhere to be found. This is simple. Here's the message of today's podcast. It's easy to spot the good guys. It's really not that hard in the world to see the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. It's not that hard. These are the good people. 300,000 show up and nothing happens. And, and that's boring news. And you hate to point that out. And I've mentioned, I've, I've alluded to this many times, Luke Bryan, I'm, I'm not the biggest Luke Bryan fan. He's a country singer. But he's got a song called Most People Are Good. And that's correct. Most people are good. And we forget that. And I want to bring that to you today. There were 300,000 good people in D.C. yesterday supporting Israel. And then I wake up to this email this morning from James. And I've emailed him back and said, can I use this email? And I've not heard back from him. I'm going to do it because he ends this by saying, we need to commend this person. And so I'm going to commend this person. He says, I'm not sure where you want to use this, Kevin. Maybe the final, final. No, this is too good to wait until the final, final today. But this is what's good and right about America. And good people do exist and they do the right thing. And sometimes they do it very quietly. So here's a great story for you. A Kearney, Missouri man named Mike Black had been struggling with cancer for about a year. He'd been through several treatments and reached the point where there was nothing more medically that could be done. He was admitted to hospice at his home and given seven to 10 days to live. His daughter, Katie, a standout student at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, was scheduled to graduate in December. Upon hearing the news about her dad, 
She went directly to President Rick Melson's office to let him know she would be leaving immediately and she would not be able to complete the semester. She wanted to spend the few remaining days with her dad. A couple days later, President Melson called Katie and asked if he and his wife could stop by their home in Kearney for a visit. He decided to allow Katie to forego her remaining classes and her finals. He wanted to make sure... Ah! The president of the university wanted to make sure that Katie's dad could see her graduate. When they arrived a couple days later, President Melson was dressed in his own cap and gown, ready to make it a special day. He had made a graduation banner. He brought Katie's diploma for her and all of her graduation garments in hand. On November 4th, the last day that Mike was able to stand, he and the rest of the family witnessed Katie's graduation right there in their living room. He passed away four days later on November 8th. I believe President Melson should be commended for taking swift action and having the heart to do the right thing. He's a great American. God. These stories are just hard. In such a great way. Oh, I'm, I've, we've got some things on earth that are cattywampus and out of whack. We'll get to them. But my God, that is just the greatest email you could ever wake up to. And I watched those peaceful people yesterday supporting Israel, and I see all this mayhem around the world and all these evildoers doing what they do, and it is not hard. It is not hard, ladies and gentlemen, to tell the difference between good and evil, and most of the evil in this world resides at the top. Most of the evil in this world resides at the top. Most of the people that are not at the top are just incredible people that daily do the right thing, that wake up and treat others with respect and smile and kindness, and they don't judge, and they don't look in some mean way. I'm reminded of all that on this particular day by the march and demonstration that I saw yesterday, and by the email of the year from James. Thank you, James, for sending that to me. President Melson, I don't know you. I don't know that much about Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, but my God, I can't imagine a better place for a student to go. You're amazing. That is a small thing. I'm going to guess that you didn't want anybody to know that you did that. But I love that story. I do love that story. All right, Kevin Keatsman has issues is brought to you by our friends at Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. They do an annual toy drive every year. If you're a good person, you live near Excelsior Springs. Every I keep going. I went into a bank last week. I went into a quick trip yesterday, and they have these toy drive bin toy drive bins up, and there's never any toys in them, and they don't empty them every day, and people aren't stealing from them. Nobody takes toys to the toy drive anymore. Could some of you that live near Kearney do me a favor, or somebody? Load up a trunk or an SUV with some toys and take them. The toy drive begins Saturday at Roberts Robinson. They do this every year, and I don't. I guess it's because we don't shop anymore, and we don't drive things, and we don't do things like we used to. 
We order them on our phone and have them delivered to us. Heck, if you want to order some toys on Amazon and you live two hours away and you want to have them delivered to Roberts Robinson, great. Go buy some $9 toys and ship them from Amazon to there for the toy drive. This is pretty cool. They've got a local children's charity in Excelsior Springs called Meet the Need. And I'd love to help Roberts Robinson any way we can. Every time we step up with anything to do with any charity, Mike Robinson is the first person that contacts me and says, how much can I write you a check for? What can I do? How can I help? And I'm like, dude, you do enough. I, I don't need your, you know, don't stop. They're so charitable and they think about this thing year round, but it's a passion of theirs that they do a toy drive at the dealership every year. It's going to run until December 15th because then they got to wrap the toys and give them to the kids. Please help with the annual toy drive at Roberts Robinson this year in Excelsior Springs. These are just great people in Excelsior Springs. And again, if you want to order three or four fairly cheap toys on Amazon and ship them to Roberts Robinson, do it. Do that sitting in your easy chair and help out their toy drive. If you live near there, it's a great feeling to take your kids in or your grandkids in and go buy toys with them and say, these are for other kids that aren't going to get toys this year. Let's go pick out some toys that you think are cool and let's take them by there and we're going to drop them in the bin. It's one of the greatest things you can do around the holidays. We thank our friends at Roberts Robinson for being such a big part of that in their community. Cross Kitchens KC is a proud sponsor of KKHI, still offering the countertop special. This is really incredible. Granite countertops, absolutely free. Free countertops on your remodel job. You will never save more than right now by calling Cross Kitchens. I don't know what you're waiting on. If you've been thinking about this for a few months, should we do this? Should we do a new backsplash? We get some new flooring, redo the countertops, get the kitchen ready, do something different, fix a bathroom. There's never been a better time. Absolutely free granite countertops, crosskitchenskc.com. Call Tim Cross at 816-898-7047. He would love to personally meet with you and your family in your home, crosskitchenskc.com. And Chiefs uh, Eagles tickets are ready to rock for Monday night. This is the two best teams in the NFL. We're going to do a whole bunch on this later in the podcast, so stick around for that. A whole bunch on this. Right now, you can save by using the promo code KKHI at ticketsforless.com. Whether you want to go to KUK State on Saturday, Missouri, Florida on Saturday, whether you want to go to the Chiefs-Eagles on Monday night, your promo code is KKHI. You will save between 5 and 15% every single time you order up tickets at ticketsforless.com, promo code KKHI. There is, of course, some you know negative things that go on in the world. There's no doubt. Uh, we, we see this transgender thing taking place and wonder what the hell's going on. We're all asking the question. We're getting to that today. I'm going to play you a clip here in a moment that's just really good. But I'll buffet it with something kind of fun, and that is the Miss Universe pageant, which is Saturday night in El Salvador, is bankrupt. They've declared bankruptcy. Last year, a Taiwanese businesswoman, tycoon named Anne Jackra Judapop, bought Miss Universe for $20 million and said, we're transforming it as the great business that we are. We're so good at business. We're transforming into this into something beautiful for everyone in the world. And this Ann Jackra Judapop is a trans woman. And she decided we're going to make this the trans Miss Universe competition. And there's two trannies in this one. 
a woman, a trans woman from Portugal who's a flight attendant and a trans woman from the Netherlands. So they decided to go all out. We're owned by a trans. We're putting trans in Miss Universe. We're going big time. She just bought it last year for $20 million. It is bankrupt. Oh, they're going to have their show Saturday night. But they filed for bankruptcy. Shocker. You turn Miss Universe into a tranny contest and you're going bankrupt. And I don't know what this trans stuff is all about. I've tried to figure it out, but I came across something for you, for me, because I really enjoyed this. But for you, I'm going to play this. It's a couple minutes long. This is an amazing speech about something called the post-human world. It's from a conference in the United Kingdom called the Better Way Conference. And it basically talks about the evil people at the top and what they're trying to do to the rest of us. We're on the post-COVID world. We know what they did to us in COVID. We had 1.6 million adverse effects, at least in America, from taking the COVID jab. We've had 200,000 adverse effects from the flu shot in the history of the flu shot. We know what's going on, and we know it's not good for us, and we know they're up to no good, but we don't know why. And when we see this trans stuff, we don't know why. And this person giving this speech essentially says that if you will believe that your gender is fluid, you will believe that you and machines are equal and we can coexist. And this is about machines taking over the world in a post-human world. It sounds crazy, but it was written about in Orwell's 1984. You can see evil where it exists. And this woman, I do not have her name, gives an absolutely brilliant speech about what's going on. This is developing something called a post-human world. And here's how she says they are doing it. For this, they first needed to destabilize, dehumanize, and demoralize humanity through every means possible. The destruction of the nuclear family, children being indoctrinated by the state, abortion, the eradication of God and spirituality from education, life in mega cities and away from nature, toxic food, air and water, social media, replacing real human connection and interaction, engineered financial crisis and taxation, endless wars and massive migration, stress, anxiety, depression, drugs and alcohol, constant fear-mongering, moral relativism as the new religion. And I could go on and on about how humanity has been influenced and forced to move away from all the things that give us strength, security, purpose, and meaning. A weak, immoral, disconnected, ignorant, and unhealthy population is an easy target for the next stage, the creation of an entire generation of androgynous beings. Masculinity is under attack psychologically, culturally, and biologically. Women are being replaced in sports, entertainment, and politics by men pretending to be women. And children are being indoctrinated at school to think that gender is a choice. The transgender movement is not a grassroots movement. It comes from the top. It has nothing to do with people's freedom of expression, sexuality, or civil rights. It's an evil psyop to, with a clear agenda to get us closer to transhumanism by making us question the most fundamental notion of human identity, our gender. If you don't know who you are, 
If you already identify as a hybrid between a man and a woman, you will be easily convinced to become a hybrid between human and machine. Gender ideology is the 2 plus 2 equals 5 from George Orwell's 1984 dystopian novel. It's the final test to see whether we will follow the most absurd party line towards our own extinction. But 2 plus 2 equals 4. And no matter how you choose to dress, call yourself, or change your physique, will not change that. The sad reality, though, is that in the gaslighting process to get us closer to a post-human future, they have mentally and physically harmed an increasing number of children and young people. And it's only getting worse. This must be stopped. There isn't much I can add to that. That speech was so brilliant, there's not much I can add. I agree with what she's saying. I don't know how they are organized at the top, and how they all control all this stuff or what they're doing. I I can't figure out this one-world globalism and how they're pulling it off, but I see it, and I agree with the things that she said. And we can spot evil where it exists. And one of the ways, as we say here as a common theme, is repression of what's actually going on, repressing the news. Don't allow it out there. It isn't just the fake news that the media put out there. It's the things that they won't report to you. We hear constantly racism, crime, racism, blacks targeted. We heard Jewish people targeted, but we don't hear that as much now because they apparently are picking the other side in some way. But we see it. We never hear about black on Asian crime, which is is, is a staggering level of violence and, and attacks in this country is black on Asian. We don't hear about that. All we hear about is white on black crime, especially if it's a police officer. We love that. It's a huge story every time it happens, which isn't very often. But we never hear the story about the white kid in Vegas that was murdered and eight arrests have been made of eight black students that murdered him outside the high school. We don't hear about that. And you didn't hear about Jacoby Johnson on Tuesday. Jacoby Johnson's a student at Louisiana Tech. He got a knife and he went crazy. And what do you think this black young man did with his knife as a student at Louisiana Tech? Oh, he went running after a bunch of white girls and carved them up. You know what we call that? We call that a random act of violence. It's not a hate crime. It's not because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and everyone on the left out there every single day are convincing black people that white people are racist and out to get them and want to kill them and the cops are bad. No, it's not the constant beat of the drum of that that's inspiring black people to target white people or Asians. No, it couldn't be that rhetoric, could it? Well, yes, it could. On to sports, brought to you by the Finch Knife Company, online at finchknifeco.com. Right now, this holiday season, if you'd like to buy a bunch of Finch pocket knives and put your company logo on them and give them to your clients, these are unbelievable gifts for client gifts. They'll laser engrave your logo right on the blade of any Finch pocket knife that you like. Go to the website, pick one out. The phone number's on there. Give Spencer or Steve a call and say, I'd like to try to do this. I want to order 10 of them, 20 of them, 50 of them. And they're unbelievable gifts. They're affordable. And they can be, you could put a laser engraved logo of your company or anything for that matter on a Finch pocket knife. Really cool stuff around the holidays. Finchknifeco.com. Bstock.net. Don't forget every week they do a red tag auction item that we put up at the KK list. If you go to the KK list, you will always see a red tag auction item every week. This week from bstock.net, right now it's $9.99. It's a nano mini desktop 
kit. Now, I'm not smart enough to know exactly what this is, but you just add the memory and an operating system, and you're good to go for $9 you have a computer. It says here it's great for those looking to save space and build a cheap desktop. $9.99. A nano mini desktop, $9.99 right now, is the red tag auction at thekklist.com. That's thekklist.com. Now, they take bids through Friday, so it may go up to 30 bucks. I don't know. But right now, it's $9.99. Crazy stuff. Bstock.net. And Fry Orthodontics, Dr. Jeremy Fry would love to see you for a consultation and say, okay, I got a couple teeth here on the bottom. They're a little crooked. The rest of my smile's okay. Maybe you're in your 40s or 50s and you just haven't thought about it much or you know, you've been too busy and now it's time to say, you know what? I've always had this kind of crooked tooth. I want to get it fixed. They can do small uh, fixed jobs with a couple of teeth or they can give you a whole new grill up on top at Fry Orthodontics. Uh, they use Invisalign or braces. Price is the same. Fryorthodontics.com. I promise there's a location very near you because there's 14 of them. Fry Orthodontics, your smile is just the start. On to sports and the game of the year in the regular season is the Super Bowl rematch. It is Monday night on Monday Night Football. They should get tremendous ratings. Philadelphia at Kansas City. We got good weather. I've told you you can get tickets from Tickets for Less if you want to go. It's going to be a great night at Arrowhead Stadium. This is a great matchup. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, 38-35. And so what is the battle cry at Arrowhead this week? And I love it because Trent McDuffie is taking the lead on defense. And he is saying things, he said them on the Adam Schefter podcast, that I haven't heard Chiefs defenders say in a long, long time. So they just beat the Eagles a few months ago in the Super Bowl, and Trent McDuffie is saying, we have something to prove in this game. This is a regular season game at home against a team that you just beat in the Super Bowl, and McDuffie means it. He says, we got something to prove that was embarrassing. What we did in the Super Bowl, there is a stigma attached to giving up 35 points to the Eagles. A stigma. And he said of the defense this year about the Chiefs, quote, it's just different this year. He said, I came back from the break. I was already excited. I wanted to get up early and go to work, and I've already got butterflies in my stomach. We have something to prove on Monday night. What? I love that. Now, we ask all the time, how do you go to Denver and lose and turn it over five times and look that crappy? And I always remind people, there are 17 games, and you can't get up for all of them. It sounds like the Chiefs are going to have no trouble being up for this one. You know what? They had no trouble being up for the Dolphins. They came out on fire in that game. A lot of times you just want to see how a team starts. And that'll tell you a lot about their preparation and how much the game means. The defense here has been challenged by Spags. And McDuffie has said it. He said he pulled us in. I don't know about you guys, but I was embarrassed that we gave up 35 points in the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs right now have the number two points per game defense in the league. They are two-tenths of a point per game behind the Baltimore Ravens. The Chiefs have the number two scoring defense. They're number four in yards per game. They're number three in sacks. Amazing. The Eagles, they have the number 18 defense. Number 18. Chiefs are number two. The Eagles are number 18 in defense. The Eagles offense has been slightly better than the Chiefs. They're scoring a few more points a game, and they're ranked a little bit higher than the Chiefs offense. Chiefs do have the number five passing offense in the league, number eight scoring offense. So it's not like the Chiefs can't score and can't play here. What is the most shocking 
If you're analyzing this matchup, what is the most shocking thing about the Eagles and the Chiefs? Do you remember the single most important stat in the National Football League your entire life? What is or was the most important statistic in the NFL? The single most relevant statistic of whether you're a winning team or a losing team. Turnover margin. It's always been that way. If you take it away more than you give it away, you're going to win. Marty Schottenheimer was the best at this, but football was played for decades. And every coach still preaches it. And it does not exist with the two best teams in football. They're bad. (laughs) The Eagles are minus two and the Chiefs are minus four. Neither one of them is any good at this. Neither one. They're they're both negative in turnover ratio, and they're the two best teams in the NFL. Ah, I'm just saying. Season isn't over. They both have plenty of time to finish with plus ratios. The Chiefs get to play the Bills. That'll help. They, They both have plenty of time to do this and take care of this. But here's what it says to me. It really, it's not the Chiefs' defense. Chiefs' defense is doing great. They're taking the ball away. This is about the Chiefs and the Eagles' offenses and the chances they take. They're Super Bowl contenders. They have quarterbacks that are risk takers. They go for it. In Buffalo, they go for it, but don't make the plays. You have to make a certain number of these plays. Patrick Mahomes can throw two interceptions in a game and still win 31 to 27. He's good enough to do that because a lot of times if he turns it over a time or two, he's made five big plays in a game, and that's a pretty good ratio. They're throwing the rule book out. This is the little hidden thing in the new NFL. You want a quarterback that makes so many plays, you don't care if he turns it over a little bit. Mahomes doesn't have to be perfect, and neither does Jalen Hurts. And that's why the Chiefs and Eagles are so special, and they're really different. This is a fascinating matchup. Eagles defense, not what it was. The offense has been better than the Chiefs. They both turn the ball over offensively. They're happy to turn it over because they just believe their quarterbacks are going to make plays. Big plays, and both these quarterbacks just win games for crying out loud. I can't wait for Monday Night Football. Uh, tickets for less. If you want tickets, man, go get them. Promo code KKHI. College football, there's something weird going on at Kansas. Something weird going on with Lance Leipold. On Monday, Leipold says, yeah, uh, we practiced last night, but Jason Bean did not. But I'm very optimistic that he'll be playing on Saturday. That's a direct quote. I'm very optimistic that he'll be playing Saturday. We know it was a head injury, so we uh, appreciate that it was probably concussion protocol. There was no comment that, well, he got up on Sunday and was still dizzy or he's throwing up or his balance is off or something. None of that. No, no. Coach is very optimistic. We sat him out on Sunday, but we're very optimistic. Monday's an off day. We're very optimistic. We're very optimistic Jason Bean is playing on Saturday. And then on Tuesday, Lance Leipold tells the media, we're planning to start Cole Ballard. The plan is to get Ballard ready and play him on Saturday. What? What? Now, this can only be two things. Football coaches don't like doing this. Football coaches hate the concussion stuff. Football coaches want to play their players. We played 75 years of football where when you got knocked down like that, you went back in the game. You didn't get eight days or seven more days to recover and play. You just went back in. 
This is like a little bit like COVID research. We still don't know that much about concussions. We know how to identify it, that you had one. But we really don't know that sitting eight days is any different than sitting 18 days or that sitting seven days to play next week is really any different than sitting out the rest of the first half and coming back into the game an hour later. We really don't know that. They make documentaries. This is people on the left. Science will tell you this, but they don't know. They don't know. We still allow boxers to get up off the mat. They get conked in the head and get a concussion and get an eight count, and they get back up and start fighting again. So we don't know. So I'm not, you know me. I'm always trying to read between the lines here. There's only two things that could have happened here. One, he's playing a game that Bean is going to play, and he's trying to convince Chris Kleiman that he's not. Get ready for Cole Ballard or whatever. That's not going to work. I mean, K-State's going to prepare for Jason Bean. And if Ballard's playing, they'll take their chances. The offense doesn't change that much. But they'll prepare for the things that Bean does well. And if he's not in there, they'll assume that Ballard won't do those as well. That's the way you'll prepare. That's number one. There's no reason for Lance Leipold to do that. He is not Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz used to do crap like that all the time and try to, and it doesn't work. Plus, Leipold's not like that. He's he's a really honest truth teller. He's not like that. I don't think he's playing games. So that leads me to believe that somebody somewhere higher up has stepped in and said, no, you can't do this. That, and this is a liberal university, and they have their own medical center and hospital, and their doctors are from the University of Kansas Health System. And the last thing any of that ever wants to jeopardize is we made a bad call on a player at Kansas. I mean, this these things matter. Did somebody higher up go to Lance Leipold and say, no, you really can't play this guy? We took a look at him Saturday. He needs time off. Because there was no indication Sunday that there was a problem, and there was no indication Monday. And it was full speed ahead, green light. I am very optimistic that Jason Bean is playing Saturday, and I'll be damned if on Tuesday the coach doesn't show up and say, eh, we're planning on playing Cole Ballard. Doesn't look good for Jason Bean. I'm not reporting the news to you. I don't know. I'm just asking, what the hell? That's a weird 180 that they pulled at Kansas. K-State fans are losing their mind over tiebreaker scenarios. Let's just preface this first for K-State to get into the Big 12 championship game. you got to win two games. You have to beat Kansas. It's been really good at home. Remember how they beat Oklahoma? And you got to beat Iowa State, who's really good. And you always play down to the wire or have most games than not played to the wire before winning. you got to win two games. So let's just do this, Cat fans. Let's not whine and complain about anything until you win two more games. Then you can bitch to the high heavens. There seems to be a belief that the Big 12 is changing the tiebreaker rule in the middle of the season. Now, the rule is so poorly written, and I've read over it many times, it is so poorly written that I can understand how there are multiple interpretations of what it says. And right now, essentially, the signals the Big 12 is getting is, Uh, Oklahoma State, if they're in a three-way tie with OU and K-State, beat those two teams. And so that's that. We're going to give you the tiebreaker by beating those teams. But it doesn't really specifically say that. It talks about three teams being tied that don't all play each other, which they didn't because K-State and OU didn't play. 
And I think K-State's argument here is, look, we never had a chance to go 2-0 in these games. This is a scheduling quirk. We didn't get to play both teams. And by the way, the team that did get to play both teams played them both in Stillwater, which is an amazing break for Oklahoma State. These are bad tiebreakers the Big 12 has. They've got a problem on their hands, but it's too early to complain. Go win. Let's see what happens Saturday. Can we just save the bitching and moaning, K-State fans, until next week? Go beat Kansas. See what happens in the other games. And then if it looks like a crap show, we'll let you start complaining with one to go because it's a home game and you've been really good at home. But go win Saturday first and then complain that you're not getting back to the Big 12 championship game. It hurts my head to think about all this whining over this thing. There's too many games left. Everybody's got two left. Let's play it out. Let's see. That being said, the new Big 12 must have divisions. Brett Yormark is blowing it here. I know everybody loves this guy. In the oh, yeah, the, you're blowing it. You're going to 16 teams. You need divisions. And mine's a little more complicated than just two eight-team divisions. And two eight-team divisions doesn't really solve a lot of problems. It doesn't seem fair to do, do it that way. You might have years where this one's heavier than this. My idea is four divisions of four. I'll give you an example. KUK State, Iowa State, and Colorado would be in a division. All right, original big eight, big six members. We're in a division together. That's a division. You play those three teams every year. There are three other divisions of four. Okay? Pick a division and rotate it every year. You play all four in that division, which means they play all four of you. That becomes your conference, if you will, or, or we can call these pods, these four-team deal subdivisions, if you want. Name them whatever you want, but you're going to play three in that and four in one other. So those eight teams all play each other. They've got a round robin, and in that round robin, it is very easy to determine who goes to the Big 12 title game. The other two divisions do the same thing. Then the next year, KU, K-State, Iowa State, and Colorado all play each other, but your four games are against a different division. And you rotate it, and you play each one of those divisions every three years. Now, if you're adding along, you know that's only seven conference games. Great. The two divisions that you don't specifically play, you each get to play one team out of that division. One home, one road, and that alternates every year. It's the easiest thing in the world. But you split them up by eights, you find a one seed out of the round robin eight, and you pair them up against each other for a title game. If they don't do divisions, they're not going to. This crap's just going to keep happening, and it's stupid. It is stupid. I'll give you that. I'll tell you what's not stupid. Great story here. Did you see Gary Woodland at the basketball game on uh, Tuesday night at the KU game? That was phenomenal. Two months from brain surgery, a lesion, most of the lesion removed from his brain. Gary Woodland is hitting balls, flying in airplanes, went to the KU game, did an interview, spoke optimistically about possibly getting back out on tour in January, in two more months, maybe going out on tour and playing in events. This is remarkable. Now, we don't still know much about his condition. And he talked about the road and the things that he has to do. And he's moved back here. And the University of Kansas Health System is going to be taking care of him. And he's, he's going to do it this way. He's back here instead of Florida. We don't know. I don't know anything about brain lesions. But it, the best news is it doesn't sound like brain cancer. Right? It sounds like there was a growth there. There was something. They were able to remove most of it. And he is looking, acting, sounding pretty normal here two months after it, which is just unbelievable and such great news. He's a great guy, 
2019 U.S. Open champion. Congratulations, Gary, on your good health to this point. We wish you the very best going forward because we know very little about what it is that you have and what you're dealing with. Godspeed, my friend. It was awesome to see you courtside with your friend Bill Self. It'll be great to see you back out on tour. We are big fans of Gary Woodland. I've also been a big fan of Rory McIlroy, and this is a stunner from the world of golf. Rory McIlroy yesterday resigned from the PGA Tour board one day after the quarterly meeting. Now, Rory's been the guy that's been standing up for the PGA Tour against Live Golf, right? He's been the one most vocal for the PGA Tour and against Live Golf, and he just resigned from his powerful position on the PGA Tour board. What is Rory up to? I'd love to ask Gary Woodland that question off the record or any other golfer because I have no idea what Rory's up to, but that can't be good for the PGA Tour if he resigned from the board a day after their quarterly meeting ended. Rory is out. He says it's personal and professional commitments. Uh-huh. I say watch out here. Our final final is brought to you by NKC Dental online at nkcdental.com. Two locations, North Kansas City and Westwood, Kansas. Dr. Bill Bush is your new dentist. Call and make the appointment. You've got dental insurance. Make the switch to North Kansas City. They're great. You've got a whole team of dentists that are just fun. It's fun to go there. It's a big, beautiful office with awesome people. 816-471-2911, nkcdental.com. Advantage Termite and Pest Control now taking reservations for lawn maintenance in 2024. If you'd like to, if you've got one of those big corporations that puts fertilizer down for you or, you know, does your aeration, some of your lawn maintenance, things like that, Advantage Termite Pest Control does that as well. And they'd love to do it along with your pest control services. All for one low price, bundled up and save even more. AdvantageTPC.com or call Aaron and his family at 913-768-8989. That's AdvantageTPC.com. And Dr. Kip Van Camp is helping many of you at IdealHealthKC.com. This is your body helping your body. When pills and shots and all the things that we've heard Dana White and Joe Rogan talk about, and yours truly, quite frankly, that I don't want in my body, that I don't want some doctor to say, take this pill or here, take this shot. I'm looking for something a little healthier than that. I don't trust a lot of these things. I'm not anti-vax. And if I get sick, I want, I'll take an antibiotic. I, I'm not, I'm not anti it just seems so easy now to go to the doctor and they just say, here's a script, take this. No, no, let your body help you. Regenerative medicine is the future of medicine. There's no doubt about that. Using your body's tissues, stem cells, or your own blood to make you feel better, to get rid of pain, or to get more energy. You want to consult with Dr. Van Camp? Log on to idealhealthkc.com or call their office today, 913 745 5,300 for idealhealthkc.com. Our final final is one of my favorite shows of all time, Seinfeld. A few weeks ago, Jerry Seinfeld was doing a stand-up comedy show in Boston, and he was taking questions at the end. And somebody asked about the ending of the Seinfeld series, which was a flop. The series was phenomenal. The last episode was a total flop. And it's been hanging out there like a like a giant growth on your neck, that the, a goiter that the whole world can see. And Seinfeld stopped and said, well, something's going to happen to that ending. I can't say what, it's a secret, but I've been talking to Larry David, who's the co-producer with Seinfeld of Seinfeld, and something's going to happen with that. 
but we can't just say what yet. Well, everybody believed there was going to be either a movie or something, a, a four-part series or something that wraps up Seinfeld or brings it to a closure or something. Everybody believed that. And I still believe it. From hearing Seinfeld say it, I believe it. But Jason Alexander, who played George, was asked about this. And he said, well, it must not include George. We haven't heard anything about it. And he's called Julia Louis-Dreyfus and said, who played Elaine, she hasn't heard anything about it. Kramer hadn't heard anything about it. Michael Richards, they don't know anything about it. They're like, no, we don't, we don't think it's true. We think it's fake or we would know. Or Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld have something up their sleeve that doesn't involve the other three that ends Seinfeld. That would be interesting and different, but I don't think it's exactly what fans would want. So who knows what's going on with Seinfeld? Jason Alexander says, I don't believe it. I don't think anything's happening. And if it is, it doesn't sound like it involves me. There's your final final today at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. We'd love to have you sign up as a patron. We've done a couple of patron podcasts this week already. We'll be doing Between the Lines 2.0 on Thursday. Newsletter coming out this weekend. We'd love to have you sign up. It's five bucks a month. You get the premium content. You get the newsletter. Become part of the uh, part of the family here at KKHI. If not, just hit the like or follow button and follow us free and listen every day and tell your friends about it. Have them hit the like or follow button. We're at 47,000 followers to the podcast now. We're getting close. It's going to be almost three times as many followers as I have on Twitter. So I'm obviously better at podcasting than I am at tweeting. And it obviously means you folks don't like X or Twitter or the social media, which I totally understand and respect, and I have no problem. I don't ask you to follow me on X. But if, if you're on X, follow me. But I, uh, many of you just aren't on there, and you're not going to go on there. And so I'm not going to ask you to go sign up on X and follow what I'm doing there. But if you're already on there, follow me. I'm at KK Has Issues. Uh, same thing on Facebook. But if you're not already there, it's not worth signing up for. Just stick right here with the podcast every single day at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Woo-hoo!